Romans chapter 8. When you got it, let me know. All right, reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. I'm going to begin reading at verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I'll read it again. Paul says, likewise, the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray. Father, we are honored and privileged to be able to call you our own. You've adopted us as your children, brought us into your family. You've given us access to the throne so that we can call out to you in a time of need and you've given us present help. Thank you for these blessings that come from us being a part of the new covenant that was inaugurated in the blood of Jesus. Father, we pray for insight into the scriptures today. Pray that you would grant us profound understanding. I pray that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation lead into the knowledge of you. We pray that you would take the words that are expounded upon today and that you will begin to apply them to each and every one of us prophetically so that it'll hit us in the place of our heart that is in need right now. Pray that you would anoint me to communicate clearly and to teach the Bible, to preach your word faithfully and clearly and that you would get all the glory for it. Edify your people, encourage them, console them, convict them, and cause us to grow and to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And we'll be mindful to give your name all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the biggest privileges that every believer has at their disposal is the privilege to be able to communicate with God through prayer. It's one of the biggest privileges we have is to be able to get along with the Father and to talk to him. The word prayer in Hebrew and in Greek, it has the same meaning. There's nothing complicated about it. It simply means to make a request to God. It's not merely making statements or just talking to him about random things. It is specifically going to God 
in making our requests known. It is to grant uh, petitions to him. It is to ask him to intervene in human affairs. This means that we have the privilege as human beings who are limited in various ways, we have the privilege to appeal to the God who spoke this whole thing into existence with his words. The, the one whom the Bible says upholds the universe by the word of his power. Colossians said uh, that Jesus in him all things consist. We, we have the privilege to call on him and ask him to intervene in our lives. Prayer is a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. I'm very interested in apologetics. Those of you who've known me for a while, you know I like to defend the faith. I, I like to talk to people of uh, different uh, religious perspectives, spiritual understanding, theological beliefs. So I'm always dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm always dealing with Muslims. I'm always dealing with Hebrew Israelites. I'm always dealing with atheists. And whenever I engage in them, we can go back and forth for a time with intellectual arguments. We can go back and forth about what this scripture means and what that scripture means. And all that stuff is needed. God calls us to that. All of it is necessary. Jude 1 says, let us contend for the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. All of that is great. The Bible says that Paul would reason in the synagogues with the Jews every Sabbath. So there's nothing wrong with that. I believe God has created me to do that. And to some extent, we all should engage in that. However, when I'm engaging in these debates, there's always this point in the discussion where I just stop. And I say, let's let's stop talking about archaeology and history and philosophy and, and biblical theology for a minute. Let's, let, I need you to answer me this question. Why is it that when I call on the God of Israel, Things happen. Let, let's just stop the debating for a second. You, you need to explain to me why when I prayed specifically for this need, he didn't leave me without that need being met. We can go back and forth with arguments till we're blue in the face. But what you cannot deny me is that I have experienced the phenomenon of answered prayer. You got to explain that to me. That's normally when the conversation ends. Because there's nothing you can say to deny me my inheritance. Prayer is a beautiful thing. In fact, prayer is so powerful. The Bible says that Satan will try to intervene to keep us from doing it. In the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter, we are told that the prophet Daniel was engaging in prayer for his people, Israel. And it says that one of the angels came to him and he says, uh, Daniel, uh, you are very beloved in God's sight. And he says, I, I've come in response to your prayer. I have come to see you in this vision to give you an answer to the prayer that you've been praying. But then he says something that will turn your theology upside down. He says, I would have came sooner. But he says, the demonic angel of Persia withheld me for 21 days. I've been trying to grant your prayer request, but I was doing battle with this demon over here. And I was losing that fight. But then he says, I called on Michael the archangel. And he came and threw a couple hands with me. So now I'm here with your prayer request. This tells me that in the unseen realm, one of the reasons our prayers get delayed is because there is a battle going on in the world that we cannot see. This shows me that, unfortunately, the devil believes in the power of prayer more than we do. If he didn't believe in it, he wouldn't be fighting so hard to stop it. We want to play around with it. We do it once a week. We do it for five minutes a month. But the, the devil is trying to keep us from prayer because he, of all people, knows what's going to happen. 
He knows that when the people of God call on him in prayer, things begin to change. Prayer is a powerful thing. However, the devil is not the only hindrance we have to our prayer life. I believe that the biggest hindrance to our prayer life is us. <laughs> we are limited by human sinful flesh, and it makes our prayer life weaker than what it should be. I want to transition into another form of prayer that the Bible calls intercessory prayer. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that term, intercessory prayer. In fact, the first time you read about intercessory prayer, I'm sorry, the first time you read about prayer in the Bible, it's actually in the context of intercessory prayer. What does that term mean? To intercede for someone or to engage in intercessory prayer means to, to pray, not for yourself, but on behalf of another. It is to stand in the gap between someone and God and to make an appeal on their behalf to God. You are, you are a mediator. You are an intercessor. You are standing in the middle and you're taking the needs of this person and you're bringing them to God because for whatever reason, they're not able to do it for themselves. That's intercessory prayer. The first time we read about this is in Genesis chapter 20. This is the first time we see the word prayer used in the Bible. Specifically, it has to do with intercessory prayer. It says that Abraham uh, was, was dealing with the king of Abimelech and he lied to him and he said, hey, Abraham's really my sister because he was afraid that if he knew that I was his wife that the king would kill him. So Abraham was, uh, Sarah was actually Abraham's half-sister, but he was, he was also married to her, right? So so he told this, this little white lie to try to get himself out of a jam. But as a result of this, King Abimelech took Sarah for his own wife. And it says that God came to him in a dream, and for lack of time, he basically said, I'm about to kill you for this. It's basically what he said when you read. He says, you're about to die because of this sin. And then the king is like, well, I didn't know. The man lied. I didn't know. And God says, I understand. You did this in the integrity of, of your heart. But he says, the man Abraham is going to intercede for you. So that you don't get what you really deserve. And then God answered Abraham's prayer. He spared Abimelech's life and all the wounds that were closed because of that man's sin was opened after Abraham prayed. Later in the book of Genesis, or I should say earlier in the book of Genesis, we see Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. God, if there are 50 righteous people here, you're not going to destroy the whole city for the 50 righteous, are you? In the book of Exodus, after the children of Israel created the golden calf, the Bible says that Moses came down from the mountain and he interceded for the children of Israel that God would not destroy them. We see Daniel interceding for his people, the children of Israel. Then we get to the New Testament and Paul commands us, he says, intercede for the kings and the governors and all those who hold political parties of authority. Isn't it interesting that as Christians, we spend more time debating politics than praying for politicians? We post about the politician we can't stand and why they trash, but have spent no time actually doing what the Bible says, which is interceding on their behalf. Don't you know that the Bible says in first Peter, it says, honor everyone, honor the brotherhood, honor the king. And don't you know when he said honor the king, Nero Caesar, who was burning Christians alive, was the emperor at that time. So when next time we get online and we speak all these blasphemous words about the political president that we can't stand, understand that the Bible says that's not God honoring. Honor the king. We didn't say like him. He said honor him. Intercessory prayer is mentioned throughout the Bible. Today I want to talk about the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit. 
The same way Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah, the same way he prayed for King Abimelech, the same way Moses prayed for Israel, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is praying for us, the saints. Here's what we need to understand. When it comes to our prayer life, the blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equally involved in our prayers. <clears throat> in other words, if one of them is absent, our prayers is going to be hindered. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equally involved in our prayer life. What do I mean by that? The Bible says that our prayers are primarily directed toward God, the Father. Meaning that he is the primary object of our prayers. Meaning that when we pray, we are primarily praying to the Father. But the Bible also says that our prayers are in the authority of the Son. Meaning that when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. But thirdly, the Bible says, as we're about to see shortly, that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know how to pray ourselves. All three persons of the Trinity are intermingled with one another to make sure we have a successful and effective prayer life. Romans chapter 8. Paul has been dealing with uh, the victory that we have in Christ. In verse 1, he says that uh, in Jesus there is no condemnation. Uh, he's been talking about how those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. He's been talking about us having victory over sin because we have the Holy Spirit and we belong to him. He's been talking about us becoming his adopted children. He's just been encouraging the church and, and, and encouraging us in our struggle, struggle against sin and suffering. And then now he transitions over into this concept of prayer. Look at what he says in verse 26. He says, likewise. The spirit helps us in our weakness. Just stop there. The Holy Spirit, according to Paul, helps us. John chapter 14, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit would come and he calls him the helper. Not the same Greek word here, but similar in meaning, one who comes alongside, one who assists another. So Jesus says, I'm sending you the helper. Paul says the spirit helps us. What is he helping us with? Paul says, in our weakness. This is an interesting word. Sometimes the word translated, it can mean infirmity or sickness or disease or some type of physical frailty. But in this context, it's not what it means. It means a limitation. To have a weakness is to be limited by something. If you take Paul's words and you compare it to what he's been saying from the beginning of the book of Romans, you understand when he uses the term weakness, he's talking about the weakness of sinful human flesh. These bodies we live in that were born in sin, shaping in iniquity, Paul says they come with weakness. Sin has weakened us to such a degree where uh, it affects how we relate to God. 
you look at verse 26 carefully, he says specifically what the weakness is and how it affects us. He says, verse 26, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. NASB 95 edition translates it even better and more accurately. It says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. This means that we have a weakness, human, sinful flesh. And according to Paul, it messes up our prayer life so we don't know what to do with it. We don't know when to pray, how to pray, what to say, what words to use how frequently we should do it, whether we should use repetition or not use repetition, struggle, pray to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. We don't know what to do with this thing called prayer. In fact, in the Gospels, Bible says that Jesus was coming down from the mountain after praying, and the disciples saw him, and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, they've been his disciples. These are believers. These are faithful Jews, and somehow these adult men still don't know how to pray. Paul says it's because we are wrought with weakness. Sinful human body has made it hard for us to commune with God in relationship. So we're weak, and it affects our prayer life. I want to give us three ways that sinful human flesh has weakened us and negatively affected our prayer life. Amen? We're not going to be long today. I'm going to give you three ways that sin has negatively affected our prayer life. Point number one, sin makes us pray selfishly. This is a weakness. The sinful flesh that we're living in Remember, when we became born again, God didn't get rid of the flesh. He made us a new creature, but we still got some warfare to do with this old flesh we're dealing with. Since it's still present, it makes us pray selfishly. What do I mean by selfishly? Here's what I don't mean. I'm not saying there's something wrong with praying for self. Because everything I've said in my introduction (laughs) would be contradicted if that's what I meant, right? I've been here trying to encourage you to pray. Nothing wrong with praying for yourself. That's not what I mean when I say pray selfishly. Here's what I am saying. I'm saying praying for self without considering the purposes and will of God for our life. That's a big difference. I want you to think about what I said. Nothing wrong with praying for self. But when you pray for self without considering God's purpose for our situation, you're praying selfishly. God is a sovereign king and he understands the circumstances we find ourselves in. He understands the situations we find ourselves in. Sometimes he will leave us in a situation for a specific purpose. So when our natural instinct is to always pray for deliverance, we're praying selfishly. Oh, this is about to be this spirit. It's a spiritual maturity message, y'all. I'm telling y'all right now, it's going to be one of them. I ain't hit you with one of these in a while. It's convicting for me, real talk. I ain't even going to front on y'all. Let me get 2 Corinthians chapter 12 on the screen. 
Raise your hand if you heard about Paul having a thorn in his side. Bible says that Paul was given a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass him. Satan wanted to use this thorn to torment Paul. God wanted to use it to humble him and to keep him from exalting himself. Theologians debate over what the thorn is. Let me give you the quick answer to that question. Nobody knows. We can only theorize. I didn't read every book you can think of on that subject. Okay, ain't no answers out there. All we have is theories. Some say the thorn in his flesh was all the false teachers he was dealing with that was making ministry miserable for him. Some say his thorn in the flesh was some type of mental incapacity, which I don't believe that's biblically accurate at all. Most would say that this has something to do with a physical issue he had with his eyes that was making it hard for him to see. That's my personal opinion because I feel that we have some evidence for it. But at the end of the day, we don't know. All we know is it was bad. And it was bad enough for Paul to say this, verse 8. Three times. Look, that man, know, he wants the church to know this wasn't no just get in and get out type of prayer. He says, I prayed thrice. <laughs> Three times. I pleaded with the Lord about it, this, that it should leave me. Anybody ever been in a situation where you're just dealing with an issue and you're, you're just praying and you're praying, God, whatever you got to do, I need you. I can't do this one. Paul is in that situation. He's saying, God, take this one away. Look at Jesus' response to his prayer. Verse 9. Oh, did I not give you that T? Oh, there we go. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's stop. Three times praying for deliverance. Jesus, who loves Paul, who anointed Paul who called Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles. The man whom Paul, whom God anointed to heal other people of their inflictions tells Paul, you got to deal with this one. He says, Paul, my grace, my favor that is not merited is enough for you. Paul, you think you need to be delivered from this thorn. That's because you're praying with weakness. <laughs> he says, Paul, what, what I know that you don't know is that there is some favor on reserve for you. And he says, it, it manifests itself as my power. He says, my power, Paul, will be perfected in your weakness. What is he saying? There's something about your circumstance that is going to lead you to depend on me in a way you would not depend on me had you not had this circumstance. Ah, these is hard, y'all. These is hard to take. Therefore, look at what he says. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is he saying? He's saying now I'm no longer praying that God would deliver me from the weakness. 
I am now relying upon his power to get me through the weakness. This means that anything that Paul accomplishes in his ministry, he can take no credit for it. He has to give it to Christ. God knows us in and out. He knows the deep-seated pride we have. He knows the stubbornness we have. He knows the selfishness we have. And he's like, some of these situations, man, if I get you out of this now, you'll be done with me. I have to let you bear this cross. But sinful flesh makes it hard for us to see that. Since we can't see what God is doing, we only pray one-sided. God, deliver me. God, deliver me. God, deliver me. Well, how should we pray? In the Gospels, Scripture says that Jesus was betrayed by Judas. And it says that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane at nighttime, and it was dark. And it says that he's greatly troubled and distressed. So much that it says he began to sweat what was like great drops of blood from his brow. And the Bible says in the book of Luke, I believe that he was in anguish. Not because he was fearful of a Roman cross, but because he knew that God's wrath was about to be poured out on his back. So he begins to pray. And his prayer was, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. What does that prayer mean? He's saying, Father, I know you sent me here to be the savior of the world. You've anointed me with your spirit to be the Mashiach. I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I'm not trying to jump ship. What I'm asking you, Father, is if there is a way for me to atone for the sins of the world without having to face the wrath of Yahweh, please let it be open now. That's a prayer for what? Deliverance. What Paul prayed for. In fact, it says that Jesus prayed that three times, just like Paul did. But the difference between Jesus's prayer and Paul's prayer is that Jesus didn't stop there. He then said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Did you see what he did? I'm praying for deliverance. But I'm not going to separate it or make it interdependent of the will of God. Meaning, if deliverance takes me out of God's will, then I'd rather suffer. If, if, if I got to choose between suffering ah, and walking in the will of God, Jesus said, let me suffer because I got to stay in God's will. He prayed for himself, but he prayed with divine and heavenly perspective. God, whatever you want for my life, whatever your purposes are for my life, that's what I want. If you want me to be delivered, then that's what I want. If you want me to remain in this inconvenient situation, then I have to yield to the king. So when we pray, instead of praying, Lord, use me at this job that I'm at, even though I hate it. Our weakness makes us pray, God, give me a new job. Lord, instead of praying, God, sanctify me through my damaged, broken relationships. Show me my own sin 
so that I can spiritually mature and be conformed to the image of Jesus. Instead of praying that way, we're saying, God, get them. <laughs> God, fix them. I'm good. You even fix them. They the ones causing problems. Because we have the weak human flesh that doesn't pray according to the will of God. The weakness makes us pray selfishly. Oh, man. Second way the weakness affects us. It makes us pray faithlessly. Human, weak, sinful flesh makes us pray faithlessly. Now, before I explain this, um, I got to put a disclaimer out there because I, I got to read the room and understand the culture of Christianity that we are currently in right now. Too often when you hear the word faith brought up in churches, it can become this seed faith, have enough faith, you get everything you want. And if you don't get what you want, it's because you didn't have enough faith, which means that it's always your fault, which leaves the believer always in a state of guilt and shame because they think if something don't change in a situation, it's because they didn't have enough faith to believe it. Prosperity, gospel, word, faith, movement, speak it into existence, name it, claim it. All these different heresies make it hard for the preacher to sit up here and talk about faith and say some things that I'm about to say. So I got to put my disclaimer out there and say that's heresy. That's false teaching. Uh, many things we won't get in life and it has nothing to do with our lack of faith or anything like that. So just hear, understand me on that part. Amen. However, there is a direct correlation between faith and answered prayer. I didn't found the way, tried to find a way to get out of this, y'all. There's no way out of it. I tried. <laughs> there is a connection between faith and getting your prayers answered. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Jesus said, <laughs> he says, when you pray to the Father, he says, when you go to God in prayer, Believe that you've already received it. That's what that man said. Now, again, prosperity, gospel, word, faith. I don't believe none of that. I believe it's all dangerous. But Jesus did say, believe past tense that is yours. This means that when I go to God in prayer, my faith in him should be so strong where I actually get up off my knees believing that he's already hurt me. <laughs> Man, when I get up off my knees, I'm not still feeling worried. I'm not still feeling anxious. I'm not still feeling burdened down. Why? Because in my mind, it's already done. Jesus said, pray that way. In fact, that's how Jesus prayed himself. He didn't have faithless prayers. But I want to give you something more explicit. Let me get James 1, 6 through 8. James says, and the context here is uh, he's talking about wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. But verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith. And if you don't know what he mean by faith, he says it after the comma, with no doubting. Not with a little doubting. Y'all catch that? Pray with faith. He doesn't say just with a little bit of doubts. He says, but when you pray in faith, 
Don't let no doubt be in your heart. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, wow, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Get verse 8. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He says, when you go to God in prayer, be resolute. God, I am praying according to your will. Here's the need. I am trusting you to make it happen. He says, when there's doubts there, he says, don't even expect God to move. Now, yes, in God's grace and in his mercy, <laughs> he will often bypass our faithlessness, but the rule, that's the exception. The rule is we go to him in faith, amen? <clears throat> but our human flesh makes us pray these type of prayers. Oh, God, I don't really know how this is going to work, but you, know, you said I should pray, so. <laughs> so I'm just praying that you, you, know, you would just help me in this. Then we'd be vague with it. Our faith be so low, we won't even be specific with the request. We don't think you're going to do it anyway. So we say, God, you know you know my heart. <laughs> and you know all things. So God, <laughs> yes, as pitiful as we want to be. <laughs> pitiful, man. <laughs> it's these weak prayers with no faith. It's not because we don't love God. It's not because we don't believe that Jesus is Lord. It's because of this. That weakness that Paul is talking about, it, it makes us view the situation bigger than God. The situation seems so big, we like, ain't no way God can fix this. There's no way. When you get some time, read the book of Numbers. It says how God sent the children of Israel into the, into the uh, land of Canaan to spy out the land so, so that they can overtake the land because God had already given them authority. He says, you're going to conquest the land of Canaan. But it says that when, when, when they went into the land, it says they saw the giants. <laughs> and it says they ran up out of there like, God, they too big for us. That's how we view our situations in prayer. We go to God in prayer, but when we look at that situation, we're like, this too giant. This is way too big for you to fix this one. So we become weak and weaker and weaker in our prayers. We pray without faith. Thirdly, my third point, our weakness makes us pray inconsistently. Inconsistently. We don't know how to press in prayer. How to keep pushing, how to persist, how to persevere in prayer. As the old... Baptist Pente Pentecostals would say, we don't know how to travail in prayer. <laughs> you know, we don't know how to really, really get along with God and just to just pray until we can't pray no more. And it's a prayer barrier. We're going to display about three different scriptures on the screen. And y'all, I want y'all to tell me <clears throat> the pattern you see here. Let's look at... um. And what's first? Let's let's do Ephesians chapter six. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion. Small problems, big problems. Every occasion. 
stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. See the intercessory work? Everywhere. Okay. Let me get Luke 18 and 1. Jesus says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story that they should always pray and never give up. (laughs) That means he didn't even just preach a sermon on it. He says, I'm going to give you a parable to teach you how necessary this is. And in the story, he talks about this widow who had a legal dispute with an unrighteous judge. And it says she kept going to this judge day and night saying, give me justice. And it says that this judge was a wicked man who did not fear God and he hated people. But then it says, this woman keeps wearing me out. Therefore, I'm going to give her her request. Jesus says in like manner, if an unrighteous judge can respond to the prayers of a woman he don't even like, how much more can the righteous judge of heaven hear the prayers of those whom he loves who cry out to him all day and all night? Keep praying and don't give up. Let me get Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5. We should all know this one. Pray without ceasing. One of the shortest scriptures in the Bible. What are all these verses encouraging us to do? Keep praying. Keep on praying. If Jesus teaches a parable about it, Paul says it multiple times. This tells me something. They must be aware of this weakness that I'm preaching about. They know that there's a weakness here that gives us a tendency to not keep praying. So we have all these scriptures telling us to do the opposite. But here's what we tend to do. We go to God in prayer and we pray once and nothing happens in 24 hours. (laughs) Don't nothing happen in 24 hours. And then we take that to mean, oh, ain't going to happen then. Don't always work that way, man. We got to press. Let me get Matthew 26 on the screen. This is back in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is about to be arrested and betrayed. It says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Now, that sounds like a little bit of an attitude there, don't it? <laughs> Jesus sounded a little salty right there. I'm not saying he was sinning. He sounded a little salty. Verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. You hear what he just did? He's like, I ain't worried about myself. I already know I'm in good hands. You jokers need to worry about this temptation that you're about to be dealing. He's encouraging them to pray for their own good. He says, get up and pray. Stop sleeping. But why are they sleeping and not praying? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? What have I been preaching about for the last 30 minutes? The weakness of human flesh. Same word in Greek that Paul used. There is something about us that, that about our weakness of our flesh that makes it hard for us to just stay alert and to persist in prayer even when we're going through problems. You will think 
that if we knew we had access to the God of heaven, who has the power to change and rearrange, you would think that we would take him up on this offer more. It's almost insanity for us to not. But it's the weakness of human flesh. So we pray, God, I need you to fix this situation. And we give it a week. You know, we give God time frames as if he's on our schedule. And things don't happen. There have been so many times in my life where I've prayed for things and it seems as though nothing was happening. But in hindsight, what I'll begin to realize is that there was a lot of chess pieces being moved on that board. And though I thought God was silent, he was actually working. We just don't often see it until the thing is completed. But there are several things in my life I'm like, oh, God, now I see what you are doing. And now I see why you didn't get my dumb behind what I was asking for. <laughs> we're weak. Since we're, since we're weak, the spirit has to do what? Help us. How does he help us? Verse 26, Romans 8. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us. This is one of the deep, deepest verses in the Bible. Since we have all these weaknesses that I just got through talking about. Paul says, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside us. And he begins to pray on our behalf. Let that sink in for a minute. We sit here in our weakness, going to sleep, yawning, as soon as it's time to pray. You know when you get ready to pray? In Jesus' name. (laughs) You just be nodding. No, we didn't watch TV all night. But as soon as it's time to pray, all of a sudden, That weakness kick in. When we're praying with no faith, when we're praying selfishly, the spirit is right there. And it says he begins to pray for us. Notice it does not say the spirit helps us in our weakness by teaching us how to pray. That ain't what that text says. Give them a seminar on prayer. They just need another lecture on prayer. It says, no, he says, just pass the baton to me. I'm just going to do this for you. Wow, this is why Jesus says we need the paraclete. We need the helper. We need the one who comes alongside us because we can't even pray without him. He intercedes for us. This means that since you and I were born again, God has given us a permanent prayer partner and we didn't even know it. We've always had him there praying for us. Now, how does he pray? It says, with groanings too deep for words. The word groanings means exactly what it means. It means a deep sigh of concern. You ever be in distress and you can't even like verbalize it? All you can do is just sigh. He says that when the Holy Spirit sees us in our weakness and in our suffering, 
And we crying too hard to even get the prayers out. He comes alongside and it says he begins to groan. Yeah. It says he begins to make sense. The word too deep for words in Greek, it means wordlessness, meaning that he begins to make sounds to the father. Says he don't even, he bypasses human language. Says he doesn't even use articulate words in phonetics anymore. He begins to groan to God. Taking our concerns and he begins to translate them to the father. In ways that human minds cannot even comprehend. When he does this, what takes place next? In fact, here's a better question. Since the spirit of God is groaning to the father and is not using words, how does the father even know what's being intended? Look at what Paul says in verse 27. And he, meaning the father, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the spirit. Did you see what he did? He says the spirit of God is groaning. He ain't using words. But the sovereign, all-knowing, omnipotent, omniscient God says, I know what the mind of the spirit is because the spirit is God, meaning I know my own thoughts. <laughs> he says, I know what I'm doing. Even though it's the person of the Holy Spirit praying, we got to understand that the Holy Spirit is one in essence with the Father. So when the Holy Spirit is groaning, the Father's like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I understand my own language. He says, I know what the mind of the Spirit is. It might not make sense to you, but I know what he's trying to say. Look at what it says. He searches hearts. He knows what the mind of the spirit is because the spirit, here it is. This is the biggest thing we need to get. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The weakness makes us pray apart from the will of God. We fall asleep. We pray selfishly. We, we don't have no faith. When the spirit prays for us, he prays in a way that supplements and complements everything that we lack. So if we're praying selfishly, the spirit begins to pray considering the will of God. If we're praying faithlessly, the spirit begins to pray with faith. If we're praying inconsistently, even when we fall asleep, the spirit is wide awake, still praying on our behalf. This is what it means when he says he's praying for the saints according to the will of God. So when we're praying, let me give you an illustration. We'll go to God and we'll pray. Father, give me a new career. Father. Give me a bigger house. God, I got four, five kids. I need more space. God, would you give me a house? That's our prayer. Selfishly, right? Here's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll come alongside and he'll begin to pray for your situation. But before the prayers get to, to heaven, he's going to adjust it a little bit. He's going to say, God, this is what he really mean. <laughs> This is what he really needs because he has weakness. So I'm going to come alongside and I'm going to help him. So here's going to be a renovated version of that prayer. God, give him a new house when the time is right. 
But in the meantime, there are some neighbors that he's been dealing with and seeing every day for 10 years, and none of them know about you yet. So, God, what I'm going to pray is that you now give him a burden for his lost neighbors, and you give him a spirit of hospitality where he wants to open up his door now so that while he's in, these, while he's in this situation, God is being glorified and fruit is being born. See what he did? He adjusts the prayer so that it matches the will of God. Instead of, instead of seeing us pray like this, God, I don't really know what you're going to do, but I mean, I just hope whatever it is, you, you know, I just hope the best. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, your words say pray, so I'm just going to pray. The Spirit of God comes alongside and he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He says, he is able to do abundantly beyond anything we can ask or think. He said, God, you're the one who spoke this whole thing into existence. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray with that faith that they don't have right now. And I'm going to come to you with confidence on their behalf. He's interceding for the saints. When we pray one time and give up, here comes the Holy Spirit. God, he's sleeping again. But I'm going to pray for him. God, he don't don't think you're going to do nothing. He he gave up on whatever this request is. But here I am, God. You see me praying for them. God, don't let it slip through the cracks. I know they've given up, but I am here. You sent me to be the paraclete to come alongside of them. Let me help them. If you don't respond to their prayers, then please respond to mine. This is what he does for us. We view the Holy Spirit it's, it's merely through the lens of supernatural miracles and giftings and all of that. What I'm trying to help us understand through this series is that we can't even do basic Christian things without the Holy Spirit. Even down to our prayer life. I'll leave you with this as I close this. Man, I got so many stories of God hearing my prayers. It says that God who searches all things know what the mind of the spirit is, right? Which means that he knows what our need is even before we say it. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask. Amen. God taught me a lesson a couple of summers ago. This was in 20, this was before the pandemic. So this would have been around 2019. I was walking, going on a walk with my two oldest boys, Elijah and Levi. And I really wanted to buy them a Power Wheels. Y'all remember the Power Wheels joint that the kids could like ride in? I just couldn't afford it. I'm like, dang, God, like I really, I wish I can get this for my boys, man. It's summertime. I would love for them to have something like this. Now, that's what I'm thinking. I ain't prayed nothing because the weakness of the flesh is like, God ain't going to do nothing anyway. He got bigger fish to fry than some toy, <laughs> Right. So I'm like, you know, it was a thought. It was really like an annoyed thought, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it wasn't really all that righteous. It was like I'm kind of salty right now. Like, <laughs> you feel me? Just being honest with y'all. I was salty that day. I'm just walking like, dag, man, you know. So I'm walking down the street. No lie, man. I walked about five houses after thinking that negative thought and having that need. My neighbor was in the windows, old woman who I'd never spoke to in my life, waved at me and was like, telling me to come here. Now, you know, I don't, I don't rock with strangers all like that. From the, from the hood, man, we don't do that now. You, you, you never know what it is. It's B, I don't care how old you is. You might, I don't know what you, you know. So I'm kind of looking like, I don't know. <laughs> you feel me? I'm just saying. But I'm like, all right, so 
I grabbed my kids. We kind of walked towards the driveway. She was like, I want to show you something in my backyard. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We go in her backyard. All these toys are out. She like, these are when my grandkids were little. She's like, you got these beautiful boys. You guys want to come back here and use this stuff sometime you can. She's like, in fact, come here for a minute. Take me to the patio. I got this Power Wheels truck that ain't nobody using. <laughs> now, the thing was broke up. It ain't work right, all of that. The point that God was trying to teach me is like, where's your faith? All I did was think the thought. The spirit of God took my negative thought and prayed. I didn't pray for it. The spirit prayed for it. And in response to the spirit's intercessory work, God immediately answered 15 seconds later. Listen, y'all, I don't know what you're dealing with this morning. We all got pain and problems, suffering, and our faith is hindered and our flesh is kicking in. I just want to encourage you, man. Keep praying, even when you don't feel like it. Keep praying. And even when you fall short, no, you got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's going to come alongside you, and he's going to bear you up. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for being the paraclete the helper, the one who comes alongside to assist us. Now, people are weighed down with problems, man. This, this is, life can be tough. But God, I'm thankful that you didn't leave us by ourselves. You've sent us help. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. <clears throat> whom you sent to live inside of us that he might do the work of intercession on our behalf. Father, I pray for those under the sound of my voice who have deep pain. Their problems look way bigger than you right now. Father, would you remind them that you are bigger than their problems? That you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You said if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. You said be anxious for nothing but in all things with prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known unto you and your peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, we need to experience that today. So, Father, I'm going to do the work of the intercessory, intercessor on behalf of this church that you love, that you would come into their situation. And if you choose not to change their situation, that you would allow them to see what it is you're doing in their situation so that they might grow, develop, and mature, so that they may be sanctified in the name of Jesus so that they may be conformed to the image of your son, so that they may grow in the knowledge of your will. So, Father, we pray for deliverance from every negative situation, financial, relational, family, 
health, mental, emotional distress, whatever it is that they come in here with today, God, I'm praying that you would fix, change, and rearrange their situation. But if not, Lord, I'm praying that they would be content knowing that your grace is sufficient and that your power is made perfect in weakness. Bless them, Lord God. Help them to pray with greater faith, to pray in a way that takes note of your will and purposes for their life, and that they would pray persistently and consistently, that they would persevere even when it seems like nothing is happening. And we'll be mindful to give your name all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Jesus' name.